Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, New Life Church. I'll tell you what, that, that video just makes me feel old. Uh, because, first of all, let's hear it for the Razor phone. Come on, we need to bring that sucker back. I, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that every smartphone would just crash so that we have to go back to flip phones. Any parents in the room with me on that one? Come on now. If you're raising kids, you're like, yeah. In fact, let's go to mes messenger pigeons. Let's use those instead. But, uh, but a couple of those kids in that, adults in that video, uh, were in the children's ministry when we were kids pastors. We first came here 15 and a half years ago. And so, as Ricky said, we're very, very thankful for Rick and Michelle and their leadership. Uh, they're our pastors, they're our friends. And uh, we love them and uh, definitely honor them today. Uh, but speaking of birthdays, we, we had a, a bunch of families, 17 babies that we dedicated yesterday, 17 babies. And so uh, I know we've got probably a couple of those families, some of those adults here in this service with us. And now the pictures are going. You guys are not going to hear another word I'm saying. But that's okay. But if you're, if you're in this room and you dedicated a child yesterday, would you mind standing up right now? Any of the parents that are in here, thank you guys, thank you. Come on, let's give it up for these couples. Proud of you. Stay standing, stay standing. Listen, it, it, listen, it is not easy raising kids. It's not easy. And, and baby dedication, it, it has less to do with the kids and more to do with these families and these parents and them making the decision that they're gonna lead these kids towards the things of God for the rest of their life and whatever it takes. And so we prayed for them yesterday uh, and prayed for their kids, but they weren't with our whole church family. And so there's more of us here. And so I just wanna pray for them. So if you're near one of these couples, even if you need to stand up, whatever, let's put some hands on some of their shoulders. Or if you're not close to them, you can just extend your hands towards them. And we're gonna pray again for these couples, these family, come on, somebody make sure these guys are getting prayed for over here. I wanna make sure these guys feel wrapped up in love. We love you guys. Let's pray together. Father God, we lift up every one of these families. We lift up these parents. We thank you, God, that these kids belong to your kingdom. They belong to your plan and your purpose. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're gonna lead and guide these families towards the word, towards your presence every day. I thank you, God, that you're gonna help the extended family, grandparents and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters to come alongside these families, alongside these moms and these dads, to lead and raise these kids in the fear of the Lord. And we thank you, God, for your protection over them in the name of Jesus. And we declare that no weapon formed against them will ever be able to prosper. And we thank you, God, for the legacy that is represented with these kids. God, that they will grow up to do mighty works for your kingdom in the name of Jesus. But God, we commit our hearts to you as a church family to come alongside each one of these families and to do our part to support them, encourage them, love them, challenge them, hold them accountable to your word, lift their arms up when they feel weak, God. We thank you for them. We pray a blessing on them in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give them another hand. We love you guys, we're proud of you. Raising world changers in Jesus' name. We are in this series, Real Change, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of choosing life. And you may think of a lot of different ways that that applies, but 
But really what I'm talking about is just being life-giving. Life-giving, that's a, that's a phrase you, you may not have heard a lot of, but I do believe that it is one of the things that we should be as Christ followers, as a church, we should be a life-giving church. Now, our scripture throughout this series has been in Galatians chapter five and verse one. It says, it is for freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. But one of the ways that we can be burdened again is by not being life-giving. And we have a choice, and that's the choice that I'm gonna talk about today. These, these two ideas or these two mindsets, these two ways of approaching God and approaching life and approaching people, that even as believers, we choose every day which one of these lines of thinking that we're going to walk and live in. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, this day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Now this is, this is Old Testament. So this is not talking about salvation. This is just choosing the mentality that you're going to live in relationship with God. That you get to choose, even as a believer, as a Christian, you get to choose to have a mentality that brings life or brings death. And today we're gonna to talk about these two mentalities, this dichotomy, and really they come from this metaphor that we still live in today of these two trees. These trees that existed at creation that were in the garden. Now, although a lot of us, if you, you, know, if you were raised around church, you, you grew up in church, uh, we've all like seen the flannel board story of Adam and Eve. Or we remember the old pictures of, of Adam and Eve in the garden with strategically positioned foliage to cover up their nakedness and Eve reaching up for the apple. And we think, oh, that's the tree, the tree. But really there were two trees. There were two trees that were both at the center of the garden. One was the tree of life and one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. And metaphorically speaking, we still today, even as believers, we still choose which one of those trees that we live in on a daily basis. Which one of those trees that we're gonna operate our lives around. We still choose that today. And so in some respects, we're like squirrels. Maybe in a season of our life, we were in that tree of life, but at one point or another, we, we decided to jump over to the other tree and see how that was. And on any given day, you might choose between those two trees. And in one interaction with someone, you're, you're operating in a place of life. But in another interaction with someone else, you, you might choose to be more in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But generally speaking, you're either in one or you're in the other. And you're choosing to stay in one of those places. And one of them will produce life. And one of them ultimately produces death. The tree of life, it's, it's a Christ-like mindset. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's more like a religious mindset, legalism. Another way that you could contrast it is the comparison between condemnation and conviction. The truth is this, this last week, all of us have probably made a mistake. Raise your hand if you made a mistake at least once this last week. And if you're not raising your hand, you're lying in church. And so you just made your mistake right there, okay? 
but all of us made a mistake. But, but the truth is we're, we all dealt with that mistake in different ways. And so let's just say you raised your voice at one of your kids when you knew you shouldn't have. You cussed at somebody. You, you, you cut somebody off. You, you yelled and screamed at someone on 167. Come on, how many of us probably did that this week? And or whatever it was. But, but when that happened, you felt like, man, you felt these two things. And really, these two things, they show up at the same time when we make a mistake. When we blow it, these things show up at the same time. Condemnation and conviction, they show up at the same time. And in that moment, we gotta choose which one are we gonna walk in. Condemnation will always keep you connected to the past and your failures and condemnation will always cause you to distance yourself from God. It'll cause you to think that you've gotta earn your way back to God, that there's some good that you need to do because you did bad, you've gotta do some good to try to counteract the bad. That's what condemnation will do. Conviction is completely different. Conviction reminds you of the goodness and the love of God and then you just simply respond to that mercy, that goodness, that, that faithfulness. You respond to them, you respond to his love and repent and you turn away. And, and conviction typically makes you want to make things right with people. And condemnation has a tendency to lead you towards pride where you distance yourself from people. But the problem is if you're living in a place of condemnation, you're living in a place of conviction, one or the other, not only are you experiencing one of those, but you're also projecting those on someone else. So people that operate in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and therefore operate in a place of condemnation, they have a tendency to project condemnation on other people. Because they know they should be doing some things, they're also telling other people, you should, you should, you should be, you should, you should, and they should all over everybody. <laughs> they should on themselves first, and then they should on everybody else. You should, you should. And so some people, they may say, man, you're right, I should. And what they do is they draw them into that same tree and join the misery. So what does conviction do? Conviction really allows you to trust the Holy Spirit to do his job. See, because conviction, what you realize is, man, the Holy Spirit's really good at getting my attention. I'm gonna trust him to get someone else's attention. I, I don't need to... I don't need to tell them where they're wrong or where they're off or what they should be doing. I just need to pray that they'd have a deeper revelation of God's love because that's what brings change. And so it's just trusting God, trusting the Holy Spirit that he's gonna do his job because he's been at his job for a really long time. He's infinitely better at it than you're ever gonna be at it. So you just say, Holy Spirit, I trust you. I trust you with my spouse, I trust you with my kids, I trust you with my boss, I, I trust you with that person, I trust you, I trust you, I trust your conviction. You're good at it, I trust you, Holy Spirit. And in that place is a place of freedom. There's so much less stress, so much less anxiety and fear and worry and, and pain. So I wanna get into this in Genesis 2.17. It says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. But you have to notice this. It doesn't say if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm going to kill you. 
That's not what it says. It says that if you eat from it, you surely will die. And this is not just talking about physical death. This is talking spiritual death. This is saying that when you choose this mentality, what you begin is this slow process away from life and towards death. Towards death, where the things, your heart begins to die. Your spirit begins to die. The life that God wants to have you live in begins to die. And that's what he's telling them. How can we truly live without the life of Christ in us? And when you choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're not choosing Christ-like life. You're not choosing to live the way that he lived. You're, you're choosing to depend on your own knowledge of good and evil. Notice it's good and evil. So it's not just that you're able to identify what's wrong. It's that you're depending on your ability to see what's good. Problem is your ability to see what's good is flawed. And when you're in that place and you can't receive the grace that God has given to you, because even when you're not good, God still looks at you and say, I see you as I see my son, so you're good. But you can't be in that place. And so we talked about this life in Christ and what it can mean and, and the fruit that it produces when we're living in the tree of life. The tree of life produces the fruit of the spirit, which is love and joy and peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So why is it that there's so many of us that are believers, that are Christians, that are still grumpy and mean and judgmental and not growing and have no influence? Because I believe that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. We should be the most influential people sucking air on the planet. But why aren't we influencing our culture instead of our culture influencing us? It's because there's too many Christians that are living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they don't produce the fruit of the Spirit. Because I promise you, when you're producing the fruit of the Spirit, people wanna be around it even if they don't like God. Even if they think they're agnostic or they're an atheist. And so I do wanna say this, for anybody that isn't a Christ follower and you're here this morning, I'm so glad you're here. I'm thankful that you're here. I pray desperately to God that he would bring people into our church that are away from God, that are mad at God, or just fed up with church, but not fed up with God. And I'm glad that you're here. And I'm sorry at one point or another that more than likely you've interacted with a Christian who was living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you could not see the character of Christ in them. I apologize for that but we're working on it right now. And we're gonna try to turn some of it and fix some of this. Gandhi, who was clearly not a Christian, he read the Bible. And after reading the Bible, he said, I would accept Christ today if only I saw more Christians living like Christ. Like if I just saw more Christians acting like the person I just read about, I would accept Christ today. And I think that is a very convicting thing for all of us because there's more than likely people that we've interacted with and I know that I have at one point or another that could say the same thing. Like where is this fruit, the fruit of the spirit? So going on in Genesis chapter two, it says the Lord made all kinds of trees to grow in the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and that were good for food. And in the middle of the garden, 
there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right there in the middle. Going on to verse 15, the Lord took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you're surely gonna die. Going on to chapter three. Now the serpent, okay, we serve a good God, but we also have an evil enemy. He loves to mess up God's plan and God's purpose for our lives and mess with our perspective. The serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals that God had made. And he said to them, did God really say, and I wanna pause right there because this is still the tactic that the enemy uses today. He is still using this tactic. Did God really say? Did God really say Jesus is the only way to the Father? Come on, surely all religions can wind up with God. Did God really say? Did the word really say that? He's still using that tactic today. Did he say that you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say that you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not even touch it or you'll die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you lose your innocence. You lose your innocence. This is not gaining anything. It's losing innocence. And when the women saw, woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, it was pleasing to the eye, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, well, the woman you put here with me, she gave it me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And some of you husbands are saying the same thing today. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Every person in this room has the choice of what tree you're gonna live in on a daily basis. You get to choose. Many are living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you live in the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this is the way you think or the types of things that you say. You would think or say things like this. If you get a tattoo, then you're not a, a Christian, or at least not a Christian like me. Or if you get a divorce, you're not a Christian. Well, at least... You're not a Christian like me. If you don't go to this particular denomination, then you're not a Christian. Well, at least you're not a Christian like me. You're missing this somehow. If you have instruments on the stage, then you're not a Christian, or at least you're not a Christian like me. If you don't have choir robes, then you're not really a Christian. Well, at least you're not a Christian like me. 
And there's a lot of comparisons that happen. But the truth is, when you get into that mentality, what you're doing is you're distancing yourself from the understanding of God as your friend. Because that's what Adam and Eve had. They didn't just know God as the creator. They knew God as their friend. And they walked with him in the cool of the day. The garden was like this portal of heaven on earth. And they would have lived forever with no disease and no hate and no crying and no pain and no in-laws and no clothes. Perfect. <laughs> they just had joy, unspeakable, and the glory of God just like all around them, all around them. They messed it up, but God gave us Jesus. And now Jesus is our portal to heaven. The same experience that Adam and Eve had, Jesus gives us by his spirit. We have that choice. We have that opportunity. And to this day, a life-giving Christian gets their life from Christ and gives life from Christ. They give life. Look, when I was young, I went, I went to a church that you could tell they lived in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was just pretty clear. Not all of them, but majority of them. That church didn't have a lot of hope of ever growing, reaching people. Um, they all pretty much looked the same. They're around the same age. They had the same style. They were the same skin color. They were just that way. And as a young man, they... They would try to act like they had the joy of the Lord. Like they'd even try to sing songs that would talk about the joy of the Lord. Like they, they sang the song, and I don't know if any of you remember this song, but they would sing this song called The Trees of the Field. The trees of the field will clap their hands, and they'd clap. And it was my favorite song because it was the only song that I got to clap with. I, saw, I was always so excited. like, it's the, the tree song. We get to clap. Near a song. But I remember even with that, the trees of the fields will clap their hands. And I'd clap. And I'd get this like scowl from someone, you're clapping too loud. It's more of a rustle from the trees. <laughs> They'd sing songs like, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You guys remember that song? This is how they would sing it. I've got the joy, 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 joy. It's down in my heart. What's the next phrase? Where? <laughs> Down in my heart. Where? Down really deep, hidden from all lights in life in my heart. Okay. Went to the youth group. They tried to sing a little more edgy songs. So they had this song written in the 60s which was more edgy because the rest of the songs were written 200 years ago. <laughs> but they had this song that was, it was, about, it was about the rapture. This is a song that we would sing in youth. So there's phrases in the song like, two men walking up a hill, one disappears, the other one's left standing still. 
I'd wished we'd all been ready. <laughs> and the last phrase of that song, one of the phrases in the song is, the sun has come and you've been left behind. <laughs> Yay! So I like to worship, right? I, I, I sing a little too loud because I like to worship. And so I'm like, I don't, this song is scary and it kind of freaks me out, but it's worship. So I'm gonna just try to worship God. But what I didn't know, like, that when the last time that that was the last time that they would sing that phrase, they lead, leave off the last word to symbolize that they'd all been raptured. And so I'm singing, the sun has come and you've been left and nobody else sang behind. And I was like, behind. <laughs> and it was like the children of the corn. We knew it, Bennett. <laughs> You're gonna get left behind. And I'm like, oh, I, it was on the overhead projector. I, that word was there and I didn't know. But it put a fear in me. Like it planted fear in me. And to make things worse, my parents showed us these movies that were made in the 70s about the rapture. It was like this series freaked me out. So then every time we would go to the grocery store as a family, and if I got separated from my family for like 30 seconds, I'd start sprinting the aisles looking for my family. Like, oh my God, they got raptured. I got left behind. Freaking out. And it's funny, but it's not. That is some messed up stuff. Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil always breeds fear in people. And so here's the thing, because of that, like I would strive. I've got to memorize some more verses and I've, I've got to pray a little bit more. I'm never going to forget how to sing that song the right way. Like I just quit singing halfway through. I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't going to sing it wrong. I got raptured before all of you guys, so there. And I would strive and I would strive in the wrong tree, in the wrong tree. And then I remember after my parents got divorced, I was around 13 or 14 years old and this missionary came through our town and, and we just by divine appointment, we got to meet him. He needed some help with something. And, and my dad, man, he's just always looking for people to help, always looking for people to, to just get them out of a rough spot. And so he, he had his vehicle broke down so get, trying to help him get it fixed. And, but he was on his way back to Colorado Springs. And, and we lived in Pagosa Springs. It was, it was about five hours away, but we sat down and this guy started to talk about his ministry. And he was a missionary in Mexico and in, in, in Central America. And he started telling us these stories and he's just so full of life. He was so encouraging. Like he had just met me and he's already like speaking into me like leadership and God's purpose for my life and how God wanted to use me. And man, I could go on missions trips too. And, and I could go preach the gospel too. And, and I could do this. And I was like, man, this is amazing. And so he invited us to come to his church. He said, you guys should come and visit my church sometime. And so we did. 
One Saturday, we drove up to Colorado Springs five hours, and we stayed at somebody's house, and the next morning, we went to this church, and it was amazing. Like, people are so encouraging, so loving, so accepting. That church, they, they looked like the city that they were in. In other words, they were diverse, and they had people of different skin colors and people that didn't dress the same as everybody else. They didn't look the same as everybody else. There were some weird people there, too. Don't get me wrong. Like, they weren't perfect. There was like a cartwheel lady, and she freaked me out. And this hanky guy would go and flick his hanky in people's face. I'm like, is that used or is it washed? <laughs> but the thing was, I didn't care about the freaky people because I was experiencing a life-giving church. And so for the next few months, Every Saturday, we would drive five hours one way to find somebody's house to stay at, to go to church the next day, and then Sunday afternoon, drive back five hours. There is a world around you that is desperate and hungry to see life-giving Christians. And I promise you, they will make sacrifices. Some of you, you're a part of this church, and you drive 30 to 45 minutes every Sunday. I've met some of you. You're from Podunkville, way, Arkansas, out in the middle of nowhere. I have never even heard of the places you're living. You're like, you say it like I should be familiar. And they're like, well, I don't know how you don't know about it. 15 people live there. And I'm like, well. <laughs> but every soul matters. And they're willing to drive. They're willing to come. Why? Not because we're the only life-giving church around. There's just the one that they found. And now they're addicted to it. They just want life. They want life. I'm so thankful. That church that I went to reminds me of you and how life-giving you are. Some of you are weird. Thank God we don't have any cartwheel ladies. And I just wanna encourage you, if you ever feel tempted, we have security here. They're itching to tackle somebody. Like, I'm just telling you, so please don't but it's just life-giving. Because we choose that tree, but some of us haven't, and some of us don't. And some of us, you're living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and some of you, you're here at church because going to church is good and not going to church is evil. And some of you, you pray in the morning because it's good and it's evil if you don't. And some of you worship God because it's good to worship and it's evil if you don't worship God. So many of you, you're in the tree of life and you worship to just get more of his spirit, more of his presence. You read the word to get more of his truth to, to defeat the enemy's lies and his plan and so you can walk in life. And you go to church to be connected to the body because that's where you find your purpose. That's where you find life. And you avoid sin because you don't want to destroy what this thing that you have with your heavenly father. You don't ever want to mess with the confidence that you have to be able to approach him. Look, we're not sitting around logging hours with God. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's what it'll amount to, logging hours with God. No, 
It's relationship. Look, I'm raising four kids. It takes a lot of time and investment to build relationship. I'm not logging hours with my kids. When I first met Cody and to this day, but, but especially when you first meet the person that you're gonna spend the rest of your life with, man, you act stupid crazy in love. You do all kinds of weird stuff. You're spraying cologne on letters and writing poetry and all kinds of stuff. Just because you're just like, man, I met the person I think I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with. I'll tell you, when I met Cody and we were hanging out, when I wasn't with her, I wasn't around my friends. like, man, I logged 30 hours with the old girlfriend this week. Oh, Gonna try to get some overtime in this next week, but man, really wearing me thin. <laughs> no, I, it's like I waited my whole life to meet the, the person that God had picked for me. So along those lines, look, I, I, don't, I don't walk around thinking or saying, man, I, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna commit adultery because adultery is evil. No, I wake up every day and and choose to fall more in love with my wife so that no one else is even a consideration. But that's the tree of life. Notice I said, I choose to fall more in love because some days you gotta choose it. Some days you gotta choose it, but the tree of life always chooses it. And by the way, if you have the mentality of, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna commit adultery because adultery is evil. Look, when you're in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you declare that you're not gonna do something because it's evil, you're that much closer to actually doing it. Because remember, you're at a place where you're depending on your own knowledge of good and evil and it is a setup from the enemy. Y'all out there today? One, a great story that, that contrasts these two minds of thinking. It's a lot of people like, man, this is all Old Testament. What about New Testament? Well, I don't, how, where's the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and tree of life in the New Testament? Jesus gave a great example. Remember the woman that was caught in adultery? And they brought this woman before Jesus, the religious leaders, and they say, hey, we just caught this lady. According to the law, she should be put to death. What do you say? And here's the deal. You have to understand that both the religious people and Jesus had the same goal with this woman and that was to get her to not sin anymore. The religious people's plan was to kill her. Jesus's plan was to forgive her. And because of that kind of love and grace and forgiveness, she would not want to sin anymore. And, and that's what happened. I promise you, if, if, after, if after everybody dropped the rocks and started walking away because of condemnation, I don't know that there was conviction, but maybe there was, but at least condemnation. Like, man, Jesus knows my whole, he knows my stuff. And when Jesus went over to that woman, if he would have been like, mm, so disappointed in you. So dirty. God, would you get up? Look at you. Embarrassing. I can't believe you. You should. She would have went right back into sin. But because he picked her up and said, where are your accusers? They're not here. And guess what? I'm, I'm not going to accuse you either. 
just go and sin no more. I promise you, she walked away <laughs> and didn't sin anymore. At least the same sin. She walked away from that lifestyle. I believe that. Choose life. Live for Christ and his innocence. That's your first point. And his innocence. Verse 5 says, the servant said, your eyes will be open. Your eyes will be open. The woman saw the fruit, and the tree was good, and the food was pleasing to the eye, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband. But she forgot. Life doesn't get any better than living in paradise. Like she forgot that. We forget the same thing. We forget. In Deuteronomy 4, 9, it says, only be careful and watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. And also teach them to your children and to their children after them. You know, this last week, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, I had this, this realization, I'd never shared my testimony with my kids. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, the word says that we're more than overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I had shared my testimony with so many people to encourage them in the Lord and, and to, to lead people to a place of repentance and salvation. And I'd done that, but I hadn't shared my testimony with my own kids. And so I did, I did, I shared it with them. And here's the thing, when you share your testimony and you walk through those seasons again, you remember, you remember. I think some people live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they have forgotten what God had saved them out of. You just forgot, you forgot what God rescued you from. And, and so because of that, you're not thankful because you've forgotten. Because when you get to this place, this, this is where you start thinking, oh, the grass might be greener on the other side. You start thinking, maybe God can't give me everything I really need. Maybe I need to go get it for myself. Maybe he can't. But the truth is, the grass is greener where you water it. And one of the best ways for you to water it is just to remember and be thankful. Don't forget. But they lost their innocence. When you lose your innocence, man, you, you're going to be stuck in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for a while. Until it gets restored. In Matthew 18, 3, Jesus was talking to his disciples and some people around him. He said, look, I'll tell you the truth. Unless, unless you be changed and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking, he's talking to the people that are around him. This, he wasn't just talking to lost people. He's talking to people that, that knew him. You've got to get your innocence back. When people lose their innocence, of course it affects their ability to live in the tree of, the knowledge, or the tree of life versus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's just like a young woman who's molested. I promise you, she's, it's going to change her life. It's going to affect her. She, when she comes home, she's not going to want to give her dad a hug anymore. She's just going to want to go to her room and, and put some headphones on and try to drown out the noise and the pain. And she's not going to be able to interact with people the same way she used to. She's not going to want to be around people or be open to people. It'll change her. Her innocence has been lost. 
And God wants to restore it. Why do we love watching kids sing on stage so much? It's not because they can sing good. Because when they're up here, man, they're picking and scratching. And especially if they're on video, forget it. Look, it's me. It's me. It's me. Hi, mom. And you parents, man, it's like a scrum down here, crawling over each other, pretending like you're being polite. But in reality, you're like, I am going to get a video of my kids singing on stage, even if I have to kill someone. <laughs> I've seen you. The Christmas production. 40 moms and a dad. They're iPad Pro. <laughs> Sir, will you please lower your big screen TV so I can see my kid? Thanks. We love it because of the innocence. We love it because they have no idea what they're doing and they're not good at it, but they're there and they're trying and they're trying. God sees us that way. <laughs> You're on the stage of life and he's, he's that dad, <laughs> front and center. He's like, hey, excuse me, it's my kid. Don't pick, don't pick, don't stop. We'll put some cream. <laughs> but it's just proud. And you're messed up. You're messed up. But he sees you as innocent. He sees you as innocent. Look, a person who is innocent is not naive. They're just not calloused. And it says childlike, not childish. Some of you guys need to understand the difference. Because there's some of you that are childish, not childlike. There's a difference. I mean, if you're not childlike, then you're callous. Your heart's callous. You need to understand, though, that a callous heart doesn't just keep things out. It keeps things in. And so people that live in this place, they... They shut off the gifts and the call that God's placed inside them and he wants to use them. You gotta get your innocence back. It may seem vulnerable and it may seem without protection, but in reality, it's the ultimate surrender and trust in God. And some of you, the only way that you're gonna get back into the tree of life is you need to confess the thing that stole your innocence. You've gotta confess it and remove the callus so the Holy Spirit can get back in and, and fix you up so that you can pour back out again. Live for Christ and don't hide away from him. Don't hide away from him. Verse seven says, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. When they needed God the most, they tried to hide and they're not even good at it. They're not, they can't hide. They're trying to hide from God. But the thing is, hiding never works. It never works well. And the truth is, Adam and Eve didn't become more like God. They became more like the accuser. 
they became more like Satan. Even the form that he took, snakes hide. They hide. So they became more like him, not like God. But that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to break down the fabric of this, this idea that, that God is our friend and that we don't have to hide from him. Even when we mess up, we don't have to hide from him. In fact, that's the very time that we need to draw even closer to him is when we mess up. It would, it would transform your life if when you sinned, you began to worship God instead of shutting yourself down. If when you did that sin that you've done a thousand times, if instead of allowing yourself to, to choose condemnation to shrink back and pull away from God and try to hide from him, if in that moment you would raise your hands and declare over yourself who you really are as his son or as his daughter and worship him and praise him, it would transform your life. Jesus demonstrated, man, his, his desire to reconcile us to God as, as, as his friend. He wanted to be our friend. And even with Judas, even with Judas, after the betrayal, as Jesus is coming up and getting ready to betray Jesus with a kiss to indicate who he was to the religious leaders, in Matthew 25 or 26, 50, it says this, friend, do what you have come for. Even at the point of betrayal, Jesus is still calling Judas his friend. And I am convinced that if Judas hadn't have hung himself, Jesus would have gone looking for him at the resurrection to reconcile him as his friend. That is the heart of God. We need God as a friend. We don't just need faith. We need the giver of faith. We don't just need to be healed, but we need to know the healer. We don't need, just need deliverance. God wants us to be close to him as our deliverer. In other words, we don't need to just come to God for what he does for us. We need to go to him because he wants a relationship and to be our friend. Live for Christ, choose life, and don't cast blame. Don't cast blame. Don't cast blame. I've already read the scripture. When, Jesus, or when God called out to Adam and Eve, what did they do? Well, Adam, first, Adam blamed God. Well, God, this woman that you put here, she, God, I don't, what are you thinking? That is a far cry from, whoa, man, this is now flesh in my flesh and bone in my bone. Now it's on a different level. It's, it's, it's you and her. The blame game. God blamed God, or Adam blamed God, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, Cain blamed Abel, so on and so on and so on and so on. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is still producing the same thing today where people want to blame everything else and everyone else than where it needs to start. And so what do we do? We blame the government. It's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my kids' fault. It's the school's fault. It's my family's fault. It's that group's fault. It's the Democrats' fault. It's the Republicans' fault. But in a place of victimization, you can never live in the tree of life. 
until you're willing to take personal responsibility for what you can change, and that is you, and trust God to do what he needs to do with the people you can't control, you cannot live in the tree of life. You'll live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can trust God. You can trust God. Trust God for the hurt. Trust God for the pain. Trust God for... You can't change them. It's not your job. Let him change you. Let him change you. Luke 5.32 says, I haven't come to call the righteous people, but the sinners to repentance. He can, he can do what he needs to do with those people. Trust him. Man, I want you to see the heart of God. In Genesis 3.22 this is, after, this is after they had eaten. This is after the mistake. This is after the sin. And, and, and I want you to look at this scripture, but, but, but understand the two filters that you could read this through, through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life, okay? And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed at the east side of the garden of Eden a cherubim flashing with a flashing sword, waving it back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil reasons to like, see, there's God keeping him away from life. God wouldn't let him eat from the tree of life. The tree of life says, God didn't want him to live forever in a broken state. In a fallen state, how miserable of an existence would it be to live forever in a fallen state? And so God said, no, I, it is, it's better for him to, to live and die a natural life, but be reconciled to me than to live forever in a fallen state. And he had the plan already. For us to be saved, we look back towards Jesus. In the Old Testament, for them to be saved, they looked forward towards Jesus. And Jesus reconciled. And he still does. And he wants to. And he wants us to get in the right tree. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and you would just admit and confess that you've been living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you've been critical, you've been judgmental, you've been living in a place of condemnation, in your own sin, you have a tendency to to want other people to feel condemnation for their sin. And you just know, man, I, on the whole, when I, when I look at life and I look at myself and the people around me, I, I'm negative. I'm critical. I'm, and if you're willing to admit that and, and just confess it before God, and I, look, I can, I'm the same way. There's so many times, so many days when I'm, I can be the same way. But if you're willing to admit that and confess that, nobody look around, I just want you to put your hand up right now. I, I just know, I've been, 
have been living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Leave your hands up. Raise them high. Father God, we just confess before you, every one of us, every one of these people are raising their hand, Lord, we just confess that we've, we've been in that tree. We've been living in a place, God, where we still love you, but we don't, we don't really know how much you love us. It's hard. We can't give the grace that we don't understand for ourselves. And so right now, this is us raising our hands towards you to, to receive it to receive your grace and your love. And we, we can't understand it, but God, we're, we're sick and tired of, of living in a place where we think we've got to earn your love. It's because of the good or the bad that we, ha we do that we are loved or not loved by you. We're not going to live in that place because we also can't love other people in that place. So God, forgive us. Forgive us. We confess it to you, God. And right now we choose life God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you restore innocence in the name of Jesus. Restore innocence, God. Any confession that needs to happen because of that loss of innocence, whatever cost, caused that loss of innocence, God, let the, I pray that every one of these people would find somebody that they can trust, that they can just confess whatever it is that stole their innocence and get it back. Get it back to be, become like child, like a child before you, God. And God, I pray that they, they wouldn't hide anymore away from you. They wouldn't hide. I pray there wouldn't be any secrets in the name of Jesus. No secrets, God. No, no sin, God, that we think that we're hiding. We know nothing is going to remain hidden. So God, I pray that we wouldn't hide. We'd run to you. We'd run to you. And God, I pray that you would give us the strength to just take responsibility for the change that needs to happen in us and trust you for the change that needs to happen anywhere else, with anyone else. We thank you for that. And put your hands down. It, I probably should have started here, but maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Some of you, you raised your hand and, and maybe that was you responding to, to relationship with Jesus, but maybe you don't have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And I wanna give you a chance to have that. And you'll know, you just know, like, I just, I feel away from God. I don't feel like I, I have relationship with him. Uh, maybe you've understood what, what it feels like to live in religion, but you've, you've never genuinely experienced relationship. And maybe you just need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him today. And if you're either one of those people, I wanna pray, if you wanna be included in this prayer, to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Nobody looking around, if that's you, put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it, got it, got it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Got it, thank you guys, thanks. I got you, I got you, yes sir. Thanks for that boldness. Yes ma'am, God's gonna honor it. Yes, got it guys, thank you guys. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus today. I, I, I'm away from him I, and I don't wanna be away from him. Got it, thanks bro. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. Look, this is a time, this is a, your opportunity to, to be weak so that he can be strong for you. So don't be stubborn. This is not a good time to, to worry about somebody that's around you or worry about somebody's perception. This is a good time for you just to be obedient to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I saw you, man. Just to have a relationship with your Father God. Anybody else? Yes, got it. Anybody else? 
Yes, sir. Thank you. God's going to honor it, man. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I got you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm away from him. Anybody else? Okay. Every person that just raised your hand, as a church family, we're going to say this prayer with you. We want you to be able to say it with some boldness and some courage. It, It may be the first time you've ever said it. It may just be the first time in a really long time that you've said it. So I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me so that I could have life. I thank you that you defeated death. You defeated my sin in the grave and you rose again. Thank you that you're preparing a place for me in heaven, but I wanna live for you now. So I repent, I turn away from my sin and I turn towards the tree of life and living the way you want me to live. Help me to understand what that means. I wanna understand your word. Lead me by your spirit. Help me be connected to the body of Christ. Help me to fulfill my purpose in you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a new life. Father God, I thank you for every person that just said that. All of heaven rejoices. We rejoice with them. But we thank you, God, that this is just the beginning of a life lived in you. God, I pray that every day that they would wake up and choose life. Choose, God, to draw close to you so that you draw close to them and they have a deeper understanding of who you are as our friend, our father, our forgiver, our healer. God, that's the prayer of every person in this place. I thank you, God, that on the whole, we are a church that is life-giving, that lives in the tree of life. God, if we ever decide to hop over on a different limb, I pray, Father, that your conviction would be swift and it comes in gentleness and kindness. That's how your spirit operates, but that we would respond quickly and get back in that tree because, God, it's not just what you have for us. It's what you want to use us to give to other people. Thank you, God, for that great responsibility, amazing privilege. We accept it and embrace it wholly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's praise God in this place. He's worthy.